This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Open to Alchemy podcast. I am so grateful to be here with my guest, Ashley Reimer, who is a shamanic womb coach, which just sounds like the most incredible um, thing. And I'm so excited for you to be here, Ashley, and dive into everything with you. Thank you. I'm excited as well. I've been looking forward to this. I know, me too. We had such a beautiful initial conversation. It was so, it was so rich. It was so expansive. And I just can't wait for, you know, everyone to learn more about what you do. And, and just for people that are listening who maybe aren't familiar or maybe have a certain idea of what shaman even means, maybe that's like a good foundational place to start. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, a shaman is kind of a blanket term that's used around the world to sort of describe work that is based in earth-based kind of medicine. And so there's there's some controversy about using the word because it does have some ties to some very specific cultural practices and belief systems, but it's sort of just used to encompass all of this earth-based, uh, alchemy type of, of work, medicine work that people do. And from my perspective, um, a shamanic womb coach is very, very specific about the energy of the womb and the spiritual, uh, power of the womb space that we all hold within us. What drew you to this kind of work and one of the reasons I'm asking and I think we talked about this offline was that I totally agree that word shaman it has such a specific connotation and in my mind feels so aspirational so just like beautiful and magical and you know, I, I think I had told you that that word had come up for me in a few different readings, whether it be Akashic Records or other intuitive readings. And immediately it brings up feelings of imposter syndrome for me. And I'm sure for other people that are maybe, you know, thinking about going into that work. So how were you called to it and able to, to step into it rather than, than potentially pushing it away? Yeah, that is such a good question. Yeah, so I wouldn't call myself a shaman because I think that that entails and that represents that you've been through years and years and years of shamanic practice with another shaman or medicine person that you've gone through very specific work with, uh, very specific healing journeys with, underworld journeys, developing your skills and you've gone through some kind of initiation pieces. So I don't call myself a shaman specifically because I think that kind of rep rep misrepresents mm -hmm. the 
depth of commitment that a shaman must go through. It's kind of like a lifelong commitment to medicine and to spiritual medicine. So I think that's really important that it's it's a term that has uh, very powerful connotations behind it because of the depth of work that is kind of linked and tied with it. But as a shamanic womb coach, that is just kind of a description of where I got my teachings, which mm. was from a shaman and from a shamanic school. And that it sort of identifies the type of the work where it's different than energy healing or maybe Reiki or uh, the concept of the womb exists in a lot of different cultures. It's called Hara in some cultures, Dantian in other cultures. So there's a lot of different words for this same kind of energy space in our bodies. And uh, the, the teachings that I underwent were very specific in the shamanic studies, which have some linkages to indigenous medicine, Mayan medicine, things like that. Wow. Oh my gosh, I have chills all over just thinking about how how ancient these practices are and how just disconnected and it seems like what you're talking about is so foreign, but in many ways it should be our most natural source of connection and it's just become um not commercialized isn't the right word, but clinical. Like it's become, you know, sort of, it, it, it's lost its, its mystery and its beautiful connection in that way. Yeah. And I think that it, what's happened is that for so many people, and I don't want to say just women specifically, but obviously women have a long history of oppression and uh, they're, connection to mother earth and their their medicinal qualities or medicinal powers and wisdom being shut down but people just in general have really been disconnected from this connection that we all have to the life force or source or spirit whatever you want to call it and it's it's natural for us to have that connection we all have it within us but it is very very hard to hear it and live your life with it in kind of the the way that we live our life now and the the pressures that society and the world that we live in place on us so as someone that deals with womb womb healing and womb coaching what are some of the things that you come across most frequently and help people with yeah i think one of the most common pieces is just a complete disconnection from the actual womb space itself and I had this as well in the beginning where I really viewed the womb space as it's just the place for pregnancy and birthing babies and that is all it is and then I learned that there was so much more to it that I had never been educated on I had never been uh no one had ever explained to me or shared with me that there was this big well of power within me that I had been completely disconnected from. Um, even we're so disconnected from our menstrual cycles and from just how our own bodies feel and how much wisdom we actually carry within our bodies. 
So that's a big piece of it is bringing someone back into that space to see what does it actually feel like. And it's different than intuition because it kind of goes deeper and it goes beyond and it goes a level below where it's really about connecting with your inner knowing and your inner wisdom that you carry across all lifetimes. And so it's bringing back that connection and that remembrance that you have this link or like this cord uh, through all of your lifetimes with all of your ancestors, all of their experiences and your experiences. And that has a lot of pain in it which comes out in a lot of different ways. Maybe we can talk about that after, but it also has so much potential in it. And it even has the potential to help you rebirth yourself. So getting into that kind of work, and even if it's, you know, that's kind of going really deep into it, but even just getting into the first and second chakras and firing those chakras and waking them up, waking up your sensuality, your creativity, your sexuality, and what it actually feels like to be embodied in your power. Mm. Yeah, there's so much. It's such an interesting thing. I was thinking about this yesterday, the day before I was having a conversation with somebody. It's like we as a society want women or a certain image of women, young women, to be highly sexualized and yet completely disconnected from our own sexual power. It's like, you know, you, you want this image of somebody that looks a certain way and acts a certain way but it's really only in service of somebody else. It's not so that that person feels empowered and, you know, in charge or in control of their own body. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's sexuality in order to please somebody else, not to right. please yourself. Right. And so even reclaiming that connection to, or reducing the shame or the guilt or the embarrassment that goes along with a monthly cycle that we all have. We all, <laughs> and, and it's something that you feel. I mean, I remember growing up feeling so embarrassed, you know, oh my, what if there wasn't, you had an accident or you had, you leaked or you got your cycle and you didn't, you weren't prepared for it. Or like, you know, just not wanting to tell your friends why you didn't want to go out or your boyfriend that like, you know, how do I let them know that I'm not, I can't participate in any activities right now because I have my cycle. Yeah. And it's something that is a part of 50% of the population's lives all the time. And yet there's such a stigma about it. It's just bananas. I, yeah, I agree. I think we talked about this book when we were chatting before and it, it just lights like such a fire in me of, of like rage, but yeah. also grief because I think like a lot of, of women, I used to feel like my period was such an inconvenience. Um, I didn't struggle with really horrible symptoms, but just the fact that it, you know, came every month, it was in the way from things, uh, 
it it made things really inconvenient. I just found it so annoying. And then I started to learn how much of our menstrual cycle actually indicates our health and our well-being and our emotional health as well. Um, And learning all the different ways that it signifies to us what's actually going on with us internally and started feeling also really angry. Like, why didn't anybody teach me that? Why didn't anybody tell me that uh, this menstrual cycle is actually a gift? It's, It's a natural detox that we don't even have to work for. It just happens naturally for us, which is an indication of how connected we are to Mother Earth and the cycle's of life like why didn't anybody tell me that there was this beautiful uh like power inside of me instead it's it's horrible it's gross it's embarrassing it's painful it's uncomfortable and anything you ever hear about it is like a joke about how you know she has pms or like she needs to eat all the junk food now because she's on her period and i just there's so much, I have so much like rage about the misconceptions and the misinformation uh, that we've been spreading forever about this completely natural, completely normal and beautiful gift that we have. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm feeling your, your rage. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, it's true. Even the fact that, you know, there are certain men who are married and have children and would be embarrassed to go buy their partners tampons or pads because what I don't know why what does that say about them that they have somebody in their life that needs it like well I don't know why there's they would feel embarrassed about it um and and also the whole medical industry who in many ways wants us to eliminate the cycle altogether. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the the certain, you know, medications or monthly pills that promote either a reduced cycle or mm-hmm. a completely eliminated, oh, you can skip your cycle or you can have, you know, this implanted so that you don't even have one. And I have a lot of friends who want no oh, yeah. month, no cycle. And I completely sympathize with the people that have incredibly heavy cycles and it is such a burden and so heavy and they have iron deficiency and all kinds of like tremendous difficulty. I understand the medical need for, for treatment of that. I'm one of those people that all of a sudden had like a major issue out of nowhere and had to do something about it. But the the promotion of not having one for people that are completely healthy, that just doesn't sit well with me. That doesn't feel right. Yeah. And I, I think that kind of just speaks to the, the historical undercurrent of just wanting women to be completely disconnected from their bodies. Because when women are connected to their bodies and they're embodied, in themselves they're they're powerful they're strong they're confident they don't take shit you know they they are motivated they help each other so that that getting rid of that cycle is a way to disconnect us from our bodies and we we play into that we really do i i do there's a lot of women that would just rather never have their periods ever um there's a lot of health reasons why that's 
horrible and very very bad for you but there's there's also spiritual reasons as well why that's really not great for you so I think we have to kind of take a look at why why is there all of this shame and desire to get rid of something that's completely natural and is an indication of our health and our well-being as women right and it's so interesting that nobody wants their period and I'm saying nobody in quotes until you decide it's time to get pregnant and then you want that cycle to be regular so you can track it it's like those are the times where we get in touch with our body then you want to track it and then how many days and when am I ovulating Mm -hmm. and it's just so funny that again serving as the creator's the deliverers of children, of birth, of life is such an essential role we play. But when we eliminate our connection to our periods to only that, that completely makes that role out of whack with all the other things that we have capacity for as women. Yeah, absolutely. You spoke that so well. Yeah. I, it's, it's one of those things where the ritual, the ceremony, the the connection that we have behind our menstrual cycles has just been lost in so many cultures Mm. for so many women and I do think that there's just this imbalance a heavy imbalance like you just said between the only time you want it is if you want to get pregnant and then after that it serves no no function no purpose which just is not true I think we're kind of addressing something that just has so much historical uh, heavy baggage behind it that it makes sense that we're confused right right? it makes sense that when we're young girls and we get our period and we've heard about it and it's this thing that you don't want and the girls around you don't want it and everyone's just sort of like oh this is finally happening to you it's a bad thing um it makes sense that we're just so freaking confused about what this thing is and why we would even want it and why it's a curse on us for some reason (laughs) yeah and even it's so funny that we're talking today because I was on a little tear yesterday about (laughs) our patriarchal society because I had had a chat with somebody who's going to be an upcoming guest who is a pelvic floor physical therapist. So also very, you know, interested in this work. And she was talking about the fact that even our days are set up our, you know, our calendar based on a man's 24 hour testosterone cycle. They wake up, they have all this testosterone. We got to get to work. We got to get busy. And then as their testosterone levels dip, it's time for happy hour. It's time for that part of the day versus if we were following a woman's cycle, if we were in a matriarchal society and we were doing things based on the monthly cycle. So it's not that it's okay. It's the end of the year. Everything's due. What if we worked for three weeks out of the month? Because that's when we had one week for creativity and brainstorming one week that our brains were like super focused on numbers and organization. I don't know all the phases and I really, I hope that you do because I want to talk about that. And then we had, you know, a few days, five days of rest 
rather than having a five-day work week, a weekend where we race around to get everything done. And then what if that was our cycle of living versus what we have now? And of course, I was walking home from school with my husband, you know, we drop our son off and I was just like fired up laying all this on him and his poor little brain was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh my, no, it, it's completely true. And I think, I think that those very obvious differences are often treated as as something negative. Like that's where we get into that really messy kind of misogyny or uh, beliefs that like women are weaker than men, men are stronger, all those kinds of things. And it's like, they're both equally amazing in their own different ways, right? And it's completely normal. And I had to learn this lesson, but it's completely normal to have a constant fluctuation in your your energy your motivation your emotions your sensitivity because that's how our hormones work within our bodies and I think it's it's very easy and maybe I don't know who would relate to this but for me I always thought like why am I so sensitive yeah why like why do I have so much like energy now but then when I get my cycle all I want to do is sleep and I would beat myself up about it because I'd be like my god like why am I so weak? Like, why can't I just uh, do these things that I need to do? I'm tired of feeling like this. There must be something wrong with me. All of this like internal criticism and shame that I would put on myself, not to mention what the outside world messages to me all the time. And then I started to like learn, wait a minute, like this is completely natural. This is completely normal that there's this period of time in the month where I need more rest. I need to nest, I need to reflect and release and allow my body to do the natural detoxification and release that it's doing when we're bleeding. And then as we come out of that, and we go into that ovulatory phase, completely normal that I'll be energetic, and I'll be motivated, and my mind is quick, and I'm creative, and I'm like getting things done. And uh, I'm like expressive and all of those things and social. And then just naturally it starts to dip back down as it moves towards the bleeding time. And like, that's totally normal. There's nothing wrong with you. Again, like nobody told me that. But when I learned it, I just felt like shaking the world. <laughs> like, yeah. why do we not know about this? But I think a lot of women are educating themselves on it now. And that's beautiful to see. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I completely agree. It's, it's like this, this code for living mm -hmm. is been, been kept from us truly. Like that's, that fills me with rage that we could as women have lived our entire lives being more empowered with the knowledge of how our monthly cycle works, not just from a, oh, these are the days you can get pregnant perspective, but right. these are the days that you are need rest. These are the days where you, you know, are going to be great at organizing. These are the dates that you're going to be great at creating. And we could have set up our lives, especially if we have our own businesses or 
look, if we're the if we're the chief of a household, then we can still use that information to say, okay, these are the days where let's plan family adventures. These are the days where, you know what, husband, you're gonna, you know, take the kids or yes. these are the days where I'm gonna meal plan because I'm gonna have all the energy in the world or whatever it is that we could do to use this information to make our lives run in a way because just like you, I have felt like, always emotional, always up and down, all of these things. So you feel the thing, then you feel shame for the thing. Then you feel like, why can't I just push through? Why can't I just show up as, you know, this one? And we've set ourselves up. I feel like a feminist through and through, but to me, a feminist doesn't mean trying to be like a man. You know, a feminist to me is fully embodying all of my female feminine qualities and not to, you know, leave out anybody that is female by choice, female with, with all the whole umbrella of female. And it doesn't have to look like a traditional male's view of success, but that's what we keep being shown is the only way to get ahead. You know, imagine if you're the, the female leader of a group in a corporate setting and you look at your menstrual cycle and you plan the calendar for your team based on everybody's cycle, literally you would be fired. The entire (laughs) HR would lose their minds and everything else. But yet we can plan our entire calendar based on a sales cycle that, that is, you know, based on, okay, the quarter ends now. So we have to push, push, push. Like, what is that based on? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's, it's like, we're up against a, like a system that just doesn't support cyclical living. Um, that's, that's capitalism and patriarchy, but we can do things for ourselves in our own life. Like, I love what you talked about. Like, if you have a partner, you're saying like, okay, at this particular time, like I need rest maybe I need to have a nap. Maybe I need to sleep more. Maybe I don't want to go out and be around people. Recognize that it's okay. And they can support you in that rest. And then on the flip side, it's like, these are the times where I'm probably going to be a lot more energized and a lot more open. So let's plan things. Let's go do things. Let's have events and and creating that balance in, in your relationship, I think is important too. Um, I'm not saying that it's easy, right? Right. (laughs) Right. Life still happens, but yeah, have that set as a goal. Yeah, exactly. You like most, most people, like they still have to go to work no matter what your work doesn't care if you are exhausted and you have no energy because you're bleeding and, and you're ignoring what your cycle is for because the world we live in requires us to just keep pushing through, but we can try to make it easier on us on the things we do have control for. Like you said, meal planning or just preparing the things, the the foods that are going to be really nourishing to you when you're bleeding, getting those ready in advance, Uh, canceling plans. I'm, I'm like a big one for this. If you made plans and then you start your bleeding time and you do not want to go out and be around people and be social respectfully decline and say like, I need to, I need to be at home right now. And you don't have to explain it, but all of this kind of speaks to that piece of learning to listen to our bodies and honor our bodies because all we do 
from the time we're little girls to adult women is ignore what our bodies are telling us and ignoring the signs that we're getting, which is so detrimental to, to our health and our well-being and uh, being empowered in ourselves. And so these small things, they seem simple and maybe like they wouldn't have a big impact, but each one is is like a, a sign to your body, like, yeah, I'm listening to you. I honor you. I appreciate you. I value you. And, and that's a, a gift we can give to ourselves. Mm. Such good, such good advice, such important wisdom for us to, in a way, like maybe we didn't have this information before, but now we do. So there's nobody else to place blame on, we have to take accountability and, and really start to implement. So what -hmm. would you advise for people to do that are listening and are ready to take back their connection with their, with their womb, with their cycle? Do you have like a journaling practice so that people can say, okay, if this is day one of my cycle, like this is what I'm feeling. Like, what should people pay attention to and how do they capture that? Yeah. So I think one thing to start doing right away is probably get out a calendar. Um, There's lots of apps too. So you can start learning where your cycles actually are. If you don't even know when to expect your period um, or when to kind of expect your ovulation phase, then you're like missing a key piece of knowledge Mm -hmm. that's important for your own uh, agency over your own body. So that would be like my first step is starting to get a good picture. And sometimes it's, you can't always predict it because it can be unpredictable, but just trying to get a general sense of when it will happen and recording that or marking it in your calendar. And once you know that, then you can start to take a look at, okay, what pieces of my life do I have a lot of control over that I can adjust towards that? Um, some of the things that we already talked about, they can, you can start doing those right away. And then one, another thing would be to learn how to get into your womb. And when I say getting into your womb space, it's learning how to sense the, the energy of your womb and learning to listen what it's telling you, what messages is it giving you? Because it will always indicate to you your truth. So a really simple practice that I'll guide people through is to place their hands on their belly, underneath their belly button, and to close their eyes and see if they can drop their sense of being, their energy, their presence, right deep into the belly, under the belly button. So this is where the energetic center of the womb space is. And sometimes you can't always get it there. So learning where are you holding your energy? Is it up in the mind, which is very common? Is it in the heart? Maybe it's kind of in the chest or in the solar plexus area but getting awareness of where is your energy sitting? Where are you drawn to? 
Mm, I'm feeling mine in my lower back right now. So I'm, I'm in the right horizon, but yeah. I need to move into the front. <laughs> kind of like the, the Kundalini space a little yes, bit. Yes, yes. So, yeah, and that's perfect. So first of all, getting to learn that awareness is, is like one step mm. because we've been completely disconnected from that awareness in the first place. And then not judging it not having any criticism or fear, like, why is this here? What is this? If anything comes up, sometimes you do that. And as soon as you do that, something will come up, some emotion, some memory, some sense of something, and just let it flow. Don't judge it. And then I'll encourage them to gently draw the energy down deeper. So you said yours is in your lower back. Mm -hmm. You can kind of use your hands to, you can't really see me, but I'm sort of like touching my lower back and bring right. your hands towards my belly. Just so gently, you don't have to force it because if it doesn't want to go there, you're just gently coaxing it and seeing how much it will move mm. into your belly, into your womb. And you connect with the womb as if it were connecting to any other spirit guide or universe source, whatever word God people use, you can connect with that. Yeah. And it's within you. So whatever, yeah, whatever term you like, I like, I like source. That's mm -hmm. my personal like favorite, but spirit, God, universe. Uh, some people have names for their wombs. You can kind of sense into what does your womb want to be called? Yeah. That's, that's also an option. So getting into there and then maybe something comes up right away, but if not, you can actually ask your womb, like, what do you need me to know right now? And then letting it be no judging. If it's colors, pictures, sensations, words, whatever it is, listening to it, acknowledging it, and then taking whatever action you think it is. So sometimes I'll guide people into their wombs and, you know, they get this big sense of like grief mm. or um, maybe there's a person that hurt them that's coming up. And like, that's an indication. That's your womb's wisdom drawing you to like, this is what you need right now. Once you start to listen to that, you can do it all the time. You can do it anytime. You can live from that place. And that's that's your truth. That's your inner wisdom, your inner power that is communicating to you. You just have to learn to listen to it. Mm, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to try this. Because <laughs> I definitely do daily connections and I I'm obsessed with earth energy right now. All of the plants, the animals, the elements, the colors, crystals, all of that is coming in. And I usually connect down, connect up, I connect down. I sort of create this channel to pull the energy back and forth, but I have never tried connecting deep within myself. So, oh my gosh, I'm super excited about that. I'm curious how, as women get older and our cycle changes and eventually, you know, people go through menopause and then they no longer have a cycle, mm -hmm. how does that change 
if at all, our connection with the womb or anything. I mean, I know historically as women get older, they often get wiser Mm -hmm. and there is a whole new expanded role for people who are beyond the childbearing stage. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's when a woman can start to, if they, if they want to, to kind of come into their, their wise grandmother phase, which I know grandmother can sometimes. Yeah, it feels terrible. I'm like, I feel like I know people in their fifties that I'm like, you're definitely nowhere near a grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be kind of triggering, but, uh, again, like that shows us how disconnected we are from the wise phases of, of our life and our life cycles, right? Like being a grandmother doesn't mean you're old and you're irrelevant. Um, it's the exact opposite. Like grandmothers are powerful. Grandmothers are wise. Grandmothers have lessons to share. And if you don't like the term grandmother, maybe like wise woman or whatever term, see, that's the thing. Like you can, you can put the word on it that is reflective of how you truly feel. So it doesn't have to be grandmother if that's, (laughs) that's something that you don't like, but yes. So after, after your cycles, your bleeding have stopped, you can start to enter into that phase of that wise woman who has lessons to share with younger women, maybe as a guide, maybe as a support, maybe as just a grounded, loving energy. I think we can all kind of relate to the the way that we felt when we were in our teens or our twenties is very different than in our thirties and later on the things that you thought were important or the things that uh, you obsessed over, you grow out of that. And when you look back on it, you see sort of the lesson or the truth out of what it was. And so wise women that are in that phase they have wisdom to share with us and, and we should be connecting with them. And you can still follow the cycles of the moon. So that's something that I Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I'm, when I learned that the majority of women were on one moon cycle, mm. but that there were some women who are on the opposite cycle that are often healers, teachers, mentors, coaches, whatever, my mind was blown. So could you talk about that for people that don't know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I think I'm assuming what you're talking about is it's, it's very common for women to bleed around the new moon. Right. And then um, some women bleed around the full moon. Yeah. Which is incredible. Yeah. It is extremely incredible. And the more that you pay attention to your cycles, the more you take care of your womb and you kind of let yourself ease into that cyclical living, the the more likely you are to kind of sync up with right. the moon and the moon that you kind of need. So sometimes if you bleed on the full moon, you might notice it's a lot more intense because full moon energy is very intense. It's magical and it's <laughs> got a lot going on, right? So you might notice a lot going on for you um, if you bleed at that time, but it's common to bleed around the time of the new moon which is so perfect because the cycle of bleeding is about release and letting go and making space for what you need and that's what the new moon is it's planting those new seeds for uh, your intention or where you want to go 
uh, as the moon builds back up. So either one is beautiful. There's, mm -hmm. there isn't one that's better than the other. They both kind of have their own, their own power or their own sort of energy that you can utilize. And so if someone's not bleeding anymore, they can use the energy of the new moon or the full moon to work whatever it is that they want to work, whatever it is in their healing journey, um, whatever it is they want to release or whatever it is that they want to build and enhance. And anybody, including women who are no longer bleeding, can use the, the seasons. Like mm. right now we're into fall, heading into winter. Again, that is a natural cycle of quieting, of reflection, of gratitude and release and learning, uh, acknowledging the lessons that we've learned and kind of preparing ourselves for the spring and the summer. So anybody can follow the moon or the seasons if they don't have a cycle. That's, that's also a powerful place to work from. Right. And just a reminder that this is accessible to anybody at any anyone. stage. Yeah. Anyone. Yeah. It doesn't matter what gender you are, what right. gender identity you have. If you're a male, a female bleeding in menopause, it doesn't matter. It's something that is available to anyone at any time. It's free. Right. <laughs> right? All, it, all it requires of you is to pay attention. I know, which is in many regards, the hardest thing to do. And the thing that people have the most resistance to the most physical resistance, the most mental resistance. And it seems to be the thing that is at the premium, you know, when you think about social media, which I love, I love Instagram. I love going on. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. but we tell our kids, you know, when, when, when talking about, well, this app is free or this website is free <laughs> or this or that to remind them that you are paying with your attention. You are paying with the time that you are giving to that thing and so our attention is the most valuable thing that we have. And we just like, give it away, give it away, give it away. When even a few minutes a day of spending that attention on us could have the most enormous positive effect. Yes, yes. Your, your words are so intuitive and, and wise I love it absolutely the, the places that we place our our attention is where we place our intention right. so I think in the constant dis distractions the hundred different things that are constantly pulling our attention kind of reflects and shows probably how chaotic and disconnected a lot of people feel because all of it is you're placing your energy which is your power into outside forces that are not probably in alignment with who you truly are inside. Um, especially if you're consuming just a lot of things that don't make you feel great, that make you feel judgmental about your body or your life or your choices or what you have or what you don't have. Like all of that is just draining your energy, which is draining your power. Um, and basically 
misdirecting you from from your source and yourself within and I, th I think like even just taking a couple minutes a day to put all of that away and just connect in with yourself or with someone that you love or with uh, a pet or with mother earth is is really powerful bringing you back into yourself and you might find if you do that that you feel less disconnected that you feel less lonely and that you feel less self-doubt and you're better able to make decisions or understand yourself more. Mm. And it is a practice and it does mm. get easier. I think that mm. the more you practice it, I mean, I think at the beginning you do have feelings of, of missing out of FOMO that <laughs> I'm not staying as connected to other people or what's happening outside, or I, I missed that story. I don't know the latest trend or, you know, people are all talking about something and maybe you're not aware of it. And that can feel uncomfortable. You can yeah. feel, you know, you can feel off, but it's just a reminder that you are responsible for choosing how you want to spend your life or somebody else is making those choices for you. Mm. And I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> because again, I think that, and that is one of the, the most important reasons that I do this podcast. And I am so grateful to people like you and other guests who, who come on and share their wisdom because without these more frequent reminders, all the other voices are so loud that you keep forgetting and you keep getting pulled and you keep getting drawn away from yourself. And you, I have found myself being like, well, there's something wrong with me because I'm not interested in that. Or there's something wrong with me because I want to have deeper, more substantial, more meaningful conversations than the this, the that, the silliness of things. But when you don't feel that that is being modeled to you or you don't see other people, even that you, that you like and respect doing that, then of course, it's like you have to have that your own strength and fortitude and perseverance to be like, well, it's okay. I'd rather be alone than be in a place where I don't feel good when I come home. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think saying no to things that don't feel good is probably a very, very hard skill that many of us have to learn. Yeah. And uh, I think that also just comes from how you feel within yourself, kind of your level of self-worth or your level of self-esteem. Where right. you, like, do you actually know what you want do you actually know what feels good to you or what's important to you or are you just relying on everyone else to dictate or tell you what's important to you or where you should place your attention what you should be giving your energy and your power to um, doing some self-reflection is is scary I think that's kind of where some of that shadow work comes into play as well and it's completely normal to want to run away from it but ultimately that's up to you, I guess, how deep you want to live your life and how much in alignment you want to feel. 
Um, and I think that just kind of indicates everyone's on their own path, right? On their own journey in this life. And it's up to you how deep you want to get into that um, or how much of yourself you want to place into that. Right. And, and expanding on what you said with it, it is a level of self-worth that you like yourself, mm-hmm. that you value yourself enough to, to do this kind of work, to prioritize getting to know yourself better, to prioritize yourself. And that means saying no to other people, or that means doing the thing that feels hard because it's still in service of you, which that takes work because I think a lot of us, and again, it's so much depends, like you're saying, how you're raised and your family and and your life past and your karma and all of these different things. So there's no, there's no one right answer, but I think that the journey to, to getting to know yourself and, and liking and loving yourself, you know, there is a path that you can see there. There is that sort of archetypal journey that happens and, you know, if we want that thing at the end, which is to feel fulfilled and feel aligned and whatever it is that your ultimate goal is, I I think you need to do all those steps beforehand, which it is a commitment. Like you're saying, like you have to, you know, choose those things to do. And that, that starts with at least knowing our body and what's happening on a daily basis, (laughs) right? Like, hello, the basic thing. Yeah. And I think you don't have to do everything. Uh, all at once. Right. I think for me, that was a big lesson that I had to learn was I definitely, but I feel like the more you get into spirituality, you can fall into that trap of like, you have to be perfect. Right. So that means like, you can't have any negative thoughts. You can't eat junk food. Like you can't be down. You can't like, you can't be sad. That's just so false and so wrong. That's not what a healing journey or a spiritual journey is actually about. Um, it's, it's not about everything being perfect and you knowing everything and doing everything right. Not at all. It's about exploring and testing and being open to whatever is right for you at that time. And sometimes that involves, uh, dealing with your demons and dealing with your shadows. And I know that that's not fun and people don't want to do it. But again, like you get to decide, do you want to live a more authentic, full life? Or do you want to be living based off of the approval and validation of others? And I know that feels good. Our egos love that validation from others and that uh, attention from others. But ultimately, you're going to feel empty. Your self-worth doesn't get built from the validation of others. It gets built from you doing that work inside, which is not easy. Right, right, (laughs) right, right. I know. (laughs) No, it's not, but it's so, it's so valuable. I mean, truly no one, my experience, no matter your, your parents, your partner, your children, no one will love and take care of you the way that you will. And that is not a bad thing. I feel like we feel like people that are 
alone or people that are independent, you know, of course people want the love of, of friends and family and community and, and all of these things. And I think that they're amazing and they're things that I 100% strive for, mm -hmm. but I, it was definitely taught to me at an early age that the relationship that I have with myself is the most important relationship. I'm born, I'm born with me and I'm going to die with me. And people in my life and, and ideas and things for sure will come and go, but I'm the person that I have to spend all of my time <laughs> with. So I've yeah. got to make it a place that I want to be. And I think that there's so many things that are, that are out there that are just intended or not intended to take that away from us, to numb us out, drugs, alcohol, food, shopping. I know this is my soapbox, y'all that are listening, but it's true when you, if something is taking up a part of your mind, if you think about your day and how much time you spend thinking about this thing, if you look at your, your mind as like a pie chart and it's like, okay, I spent 20% of my time on this 10%, where are we spending our time? And if, and if part of that is not on how do I feel? What do I think? What do I want? What feels good to me? What am I working towards? What are my dreams? Like literally we are living for other people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here to stop it. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it, it is, it's so true. And it's like not in a narcissistic way. Right. That's the other thing we think we're selfish. We're self-absorbed. Oh my gosh. That was the biggest shift for me. Oh, I love that you said that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's not the point of it at all. Um, it's about being in alignment with, with your true self. And when you are in that space. And that doesn't mean that you'll be that way all the time, 24 seven. Right. But if you're always kind of bringing yourself back there, um, then you're a better friend. You're, you're a better partner. You're a better person in your community. You treat people better. You're, you're more engaged. You're more willing to be kind to others and uh, open to others. So it's like it, that self-work that you do or that work that you do on yourself benefits the world at large because you're going to be a kinder, more conscientious human being because you take in that time. I think sometimes when we see like the, the anger and the negativity, the violence, the, the judgment, the just like a lot of the heavy like anger and aggression that we see in the world is because people are not taking that time to fall back into themselves and come into alignment with themselves. They're too focused. Like you said, like half of their day or all of your day is focused on other things, which tends to then build resentment or anger or judgment. That's going to cause you to like not be present in this life. And don't you want to be present in this life? If, if this is the life that you have, what do you want it to look like? What do you want it to feel like? How do you want to interact with the people and the places around you? Like you get to choose that to a certain degree, life still happens. But again, like you always get to choose what you eventually do with that and how present you are in it. And at the very minimum, 
if you live in community intimately with others to know that your cycle is coming and you might be (laughs) a little bit on edge, isn't that enough of a reason? (laughs) So that you know that and you can lovingly say to everyone in your family, y'all, I'm about to get my cycle. So I would be aware of how you're acting right now. That's a loving gift to give people. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Just be like, be a little patient with me. Right. And and I'll be more patient with you. Yeah, absolutely. It both ways. It's interconnected. <laughs> oh my gosh. So funny. This has been amazing. You are beyond amazing. I could listen to you and talk to you literally right. forever about this. I'm yeah, like, I've got 17 talking. more episodes. <laughs> Tell everyone how they can find you and work with you and get all of your amazing magic. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this has been a pleasure. I think I probably could keep talking for hours and hours and hours with you. You're wonderful. Um, You can go on my website, which is divineelevation.ca. And I have a couple of different things that I'm putting out there. I've got a foundations of wound care guide that I just put up that you can buy. It's only like $3. So I wanted it to be really accessible. And it goes into some of what we talked today about like womb work, menstrual care, um, different practices that you can use to connect with your womb and, and your spirituality and support yourself. And, or you can go on Instagram, which is just divine elevation and, and check me out. I love hearing from people. So let me know if you have any questions or you want to chat about anything. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. And I love, even I was just about to write myself a note, as you said, that something is, is very, very affordable, but it's still empowering that you're charging for it. And you just gave me the permission to put a few things together that I have put out for free. And now I'm like, you know what, I'm going to bundle them and I'm going to charge a little something for them. So thank you for that. (laughs) I'm looking at that a lot. So I also have, I'm working on some dream interpretation guides as well. I mean, that's another topic we didn't even touch that I could go on and on and on. Oh my gosh. So fun. Yeah, I love, love, love that. So I will definitely link to that. But thank you so much. Thank you. I love this. Thank you all so much for listening to the Open to Alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, at open.to.alchemy. That's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.